Because it's such an interesting topic, let's pray for us. <laughs> Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity once again that we get to be in your presence. Thank you for allowing us the, the privilege of being your sons and daughters this morning, that, that you invite us into your presence happily, with great gladness, great joy that you welcome us into your presence. Oh, that you sing over us, that you dance over us with joy this morning because we're, we're your sons and daughters and you love us so desperately and you love us so completely. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. That we get, we get to, to, to experience that, not just today, but every day of our lives. But we thank you for this moment because this is a moment that you chose to gather us together because you want to say something to us that's unique, that's something that uh, you want to express of your heart. So we thank you for that. What I ask, of course, Father, is that you would empty me of me. So that you, would, that you would fill me with your presence, your Holy Spirit. So your words, your heart, is what is expressed today. And nothing else is heard but your heart, your words. So this is what we ask and this is what we expect because we know of your great love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You, uh, do you uh, smell some barbecue this morning? Do you have any barbecue? Maybe? I don't know. Because I think we might, in three weeks talking about pastors, we might just be barbecuing some sacred cows. Okay? And I would like to try my best this morning to dispel a lot of those things. Because I think I have a unique perspective. Spending many, many years not as a pastor... And now spending a couple of years as a pastor. Now, some that know me would say that I've been walking like a, and talking like a pastor all my life because of the way God has used me in, in, in times and different ministries. That God has certainly used me in the role of pastoring many, many times before I, be, I had received the title of pastor. I like to describe what I think a pastor is. At the very beginning, at the introduction to this series, I said that a pastor was a soul heart shepherd, that he was a, a caretaker, that he was a sherpa, a guide, someone that guards, examines, leads, and equips. Now, I want to add one more to that this morning. I want to add the title of ninja this morning. I think pastors are ninjas. I really do. Jess, would you read this shirt for those who... Pastor, only because full-time multitasking ninja is not an actual ministry title. Thank you. There you have it. But here's what I think ninjas really means. A needy individual needing Jesus always. A needy individual needing Jesus always. We're all ninjas. We really are all ninjas. Because we all need him. And pastors are really no different than anybody else. We really are not. You have a calling. I have a calling. All these callings matter to the body of Christ. I happen to roll, uh, walk in a role that maybe is a little bit different than yours in some ways. But I'm a sheep too. There is only one head shepherd. Only one. His name is Jesus Christ. 
the only one that gets that title of head shepherd. I am an under-shepherd. I get the privilege of walking like him in this ministry, in this calling. And today, I, I just kind of like, you know, we get hung up on the, on the title for, for a lot of various reasons why we get hung up on the title. See, the title is a cultural thing. But the function is a spiritual thing. It's a relational thing. So, I don't think we should get so hung up on the title on, uh, you know, as a point of contention. Because sometimes the title comes in handy. When I go to a hospital to visit someone, that title of pastor is very handy. It gets me through a lot of doors. Okay? The title of pastor is actually not a bad thing. Now, the title to me doesn't mean anything as far as me thinking I'm more special than anyone here. Okay? I hope you know that. I hope you discovered that about me. I don't think I'm higher on the food chain than you. I don't think I'm more spiritually gifted than you are. But God has asked me to step into a role and walk into a role that we're with some basic responsibilities that are different than yours, which a shepherd has. The scriptures are very clear about that. If you want to call me Pastor Jay, I don't mind, but I would prefer that you just call me Jay. I really do. It's what I prefer. But some people, and there are some people in, in this congregation that do call me Pastor Jay because that's what they're comfortable with. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't demand it. I don't ask for it. I would rather you call me Jay. I would rather you, if you want to call me Pastor Dude or something like that, that's okay because that's more fitting to my character, my personality. But really, I, I want to be known as a shepherd and a sheep among sheep who shepherd. Did you get what I meant there? Did you catch that? Because all of us shepherd. If you're a parent this morning, you've been shepherding probably for a long time. At least for a few years. Some longer. If you're a grandparent, you certainly are still shepherding people's hearts. If you're a teacher in a public school situation and your heart belongs to Jesus, you are shepherding people. If you're a brother and a sister to someone and you're, and you're helping them through a tough, difficult time, guess what you're doing? You're shepherding their hearts. You're caring for them. Okay? So I am an under-shepherd who's also a sheep who lives and works and breathes who conspires with other sheep who also shepherd. That's a very long definition, but that really, I think, is what describes all of us together. Ephesians 4, and he gave... The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, as it's in some translations, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. The word pastor is very curious. Then, in, in a lot of languages, the word pa- they don't have a word for pastor, so they use the English word pastor a lot because they don't really have a word in their language for for pastor. In, in Italy. It, it's it's pretty, pretty close. It's pastore. Pastore. Maybe you heard it. I don't know. You're Italian. You ever heard that? Okay. Pastore. Please, back me up on this. Just say yes. Just say yes. It's interesting, interesting what they call pastors in Germany. It's pretty interesting. German shepherds. Come on. Wait for it. German shepherds. You got that, right? Yes. Yeah, see, because this is what I find very interesting. God has a great sense of humor. And I think God's sense of humor is not mean. It's not a, a, a pulling a, a prank type of, of sense of humor, even though sometimes I feel like that. 
But I think it's very humorous of God to have called me into this position. On a lot of personal levels, I think it's very humorous of God. And maybe you don't think it's so funny, but I find it very funny that God has asked me to be a pastor. I laugh about it all the time. I, you know, and mostly it's on the Sunday morning when I wake up and I'm, and I'm here early. And I'm saying, why? How? The beauty of all that is, because I think God expresses his sense of humor through joy. And this really is meant to be a joyful position to be in. To be like Jesus and to shepherd like Jesus really is a position of joy. It really is. Because you get to do something that is close to his heart. And I think we need to relax and and have an understanding. Because, you know, when we think of pastors sometimes, and maybe we've all been... uh, I'm I'm, I'm going off my notes. I'm sure all of us here today and some of us that attend here, I I know their stories... And somewhere along the line, a pastor has hurt you. A pastor has son, uh, said or done something that has caused you harm. This happened to me as well. And yet, in my life, there are a couple of men that I love actually calling them pastor. I have no problem giving them that kind of honor. Because of, of the words and the, and the things they've done in my life that have made me be able to stand here today in this role. Now, they, they are, they're like me. They won't like the title of pastor, but you know what? They have lived out that role and fleshed out that role in such a way that I have no problem calling them pastor when I see them. Because that's what they've done. They don't expect it. And I think, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we, we can kind of heal some of those areas, and certainly what I hope to do as pastor is to help heal some of those areas in any way that God would use me to do so. Okay, so let's, let's get back to the notes here. It says, you know, the, the Greek word for pastor is poime, which means shepherd. The Greek word means actually means shepherd, someone who's a, a herdsman, someone that cares for a flock. Now, in the biblical context, a shepherd is really serious business. Uh, it has to, shepherd has to balance feeding, grazing, where they graze, how they graze. It has to uh, time how long they graze. When it's time to move them along to a different pasture. A, a shepherd has to watch over when they get sick or infections in their wool and their skin and all those and look for parasites and all those kind of things. He has to balance those kind of things in order to keep a sheep healthy. So in the biblical context, shepherding is really important. They care for the wounded, they care for the sick sheep, and they help nurse them back to health. And one of the most important task of a shepherd is that when a sheep got lost, they would look for the sheep. Very important. It's so important that this word shepherd, poimen, is used 18 times in the New Testament. Most of those times is referring to Jesus, the good shepherd. Here's the scripture that I think that Jesus really describes what a shepherd, the whole business of what a shepherd is all about. John 10, 11 says this. 
I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Wow. Jesus has set that bar really high for shepherds, for people who will be bold enough, humble enough, surrendering enough in order to shepherd people. He set that bar really high. He says, I am the good shepherd. This is what I do. I lay down my life for the sheep. And all you who I've called to shepherd, which is really all of us, as I've said before, is really all of us, I've asked you to really to do the same thing. So I think shepherding is a crouching position. It's a kneeling down position. It's a, it's a position of humility, of being humble. A lot of times when a shepherd has to take care of his sheep, he has to get down on his hands and knees and, and basically get his hands dirty. He has to get his hands into the wool. It's a kneeling down. It requires a willingness to serve. If you wouldn't mind, go to First Peter chapter 5. It will be verses 2 to 3. It's Peter's exhortation how to, how to care for our flock. Let's start in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and as a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty intense. As I like to do, I would like to take this, this scripture apart. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That Greek word means to look upon, inspect closely, oversee, look after, and care for. It's beautiful. Not under compulsion. Those words together mean you're not forced to do this. You need to do this willingly. But willingly. Something that you give yourself to. That's something that you volunteer for. As God would have you. Not for shameful gain. Something that only benefits yourself. Something that only benefits yourself. But eagerly. Not domineering. Here's, here's a great... Uh, not domineering. Not controlling. And not subduing. Sometimes a, a shepherd would have to kind of wrestle a sheep to the ground in order to care for it. But it's never done harshly. You don't want to harm the sheep in doing this. But a shepherd would have to, to grab hold of a sheep in order to, to heal something or to, to put something on it that would heal the skin. But it would be done with gentleness. Not to subdue it, but to help it. Over those in your charge, but being examples. This is a picture of a stamp. Something that leaves a mark. A metal die that leaves an impression. A metal die that leaves an impression. If we as shepherds, as I as a shepherd, in order to to make a positive impression on you, I need to be up close and personal. To oversee someone requires proximity. A closeness, a nearness. This is a nearness and this is a closeness that invites people in and not pushes them away. See, this is the attitude of this scripture, these, these scriptures here in Peter. That, that the shepherd is caring for his flock by inviting them in. Inviting him into his own life, but really inviting him into the kingdom life. 
inviting him into the into a life of Jesus Christ. But it, it has to be personal. This is a very personal thing. So for shepherds to be distant, to to be apart from their flocks, is unnatural. It's unnatural. A shepherd should be close to his flock. And that's going to take on many, many different dimensions, of course. But the call here is very clear, that this is an up-close-and-personal. Back in Ephesians, that word equip is a very important word and, and for all the five ministries, because we're supposed to equip all of us for the work of the service. And we've discussed that that word before it meant to get, to get someone ready for a voyage. That word equip, that small little word, means so much in the Greek, it's unbelievable how much this means. This word also means to, to repair, to restore to a former good condition, to fit out for, for a voyage, to get ready. It also means to put a dislocated limb back in place, to fix what has been broken or ripped, supplying provisions for a military force. All these, all these definitions are hands-on, getting your hands dirty type of work. A work of humbleness, a work of humility. This word, the reason why I wanted to bring out all these meanings is because I want you to, to understand that the word, this word that's used in equipped is the same words that are used in Matthew 4.21 and Mark 1.19 when Jesus is calling the disciples. Some were fishing and some were mending their nets. That word mending there is the word equipped. It's very important that Jesus uses that word there. Mending nets is really the work of a shepherd. Mending nets is dirty work, too. Mending nets is necessary in order to catch fish. If the nets are not mended after every time they are used, if, if certain things are not replaced in the net, if ropes that have been broken, weights that have been lost on the nets, you're not going to catch as many fish. Those mending the nets was important work for a fisherman. So Jesus uses this word, this word equipped, so that he says that basically, uh, and it was James and John, the, the Thunder Brothers, that were mending the nets. Uh, they had to equip the nets in order for that to be used for the work of the service. For the service that those nets were meant for, they had to be mended. It's a beautiful word, way of connecting these things. Jesus is very smart. Okay, so shepherds, I think they equip by mending by restoring nets. Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, and that word means guided by the Holy Spirit, should restore him, restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness means humility. Keep watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. That word restore is the word equipped. The same word, same Greek word. It means to mend. It means to put together, put something that was dislocated back into place, something that was ripped or torn back into place. Can we go to John 21, please? This story, to me, is one of the most marvelous stories about mending nets that Jesus shows us. Jesus shows us how to shepherd hearts that have been ripped apart. And it's the story. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to the disciples a couple times already. But what's really strange about these things is that Jesus seems to appear to them and then he seems to disappear. And no one knows where he goes. The Bible never explains any of this. So it's all very mysterious. So after a couple of times of appearing before the disciples, I don't know what's in Peter's heart, but he, he's tired of waiting around. He decides to do something that he's used to do. He goes fishing. And all the other guys say, okay, well, we'll go too. So they go fishing. 
They're fishing all night. And of course, they don't catch anything. The beauty of this story is that's exactly like the moment when Jesus called them the first time. Back in the other Gospels, they were up all night and they hadn't catched a thing. And Jesus asked Peter to cast his net and to the other side. And he said, I've been fishing all night. I haven't caught anything. And the same scenario is happening out here in, in John 21. It's beautiful. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know it was him. And Jesus called to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. They don't recognize that it's Jesus on the, on the, on the shoreline calling to them. Maybe they think it's just some passing guy, just like if you were on the shore fishing, you know, and some guy, catch anything today? Maybe they think that. But Jesus is starting to show them who he is by revealing. He said, you know, you guys, I'm going to, don't you remember? This happened before. And not that many years ago. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land. They were about a hundred yards off. And when they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish lay down on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. I think this is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. These men deserted Jesus in his time of need. And he's making them breakfast. He's inviting them back. He's mending the nets that were torn because of their desertion of him. So Simon and Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. And full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now another of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and so were the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When he had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. That word feed here means lead them to a pasture. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, ten my sheep. That word ten here means be a shepherd to them. Be a shepherd to them. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Lead them to a pasture. I love that story for so many different reasons. I love that story because Jesus shows the perfect example of how reconciliation is at, at, at the heart of shepherding. That uh, Restoration is at the heart of being a shepherd. That mending nets 
is one of the best ways to equip people for the acts of the service. See, when you can help someone whose joint is dislocated, if it's their leg joint, what they walk better. They walk stronger. And if their walk is stronger, then they can do the things that God has asked them to do. They can go to the places that God has asked them to do. And that makes the body stronger because they're doing what God has asked them to do. See, if someone has a moment in their life that they need some guidance with, guidance from the Word, guidance from prayer, guidance from worship, we get it from all these sources. If someone receives insight because of all those things, and all of a sudden they understand something about God's heart that they never understood before, guess what? You have mended a net. Something that was broken, something that was frayed, maybe something that was about to break. You mended it so it was stronger. And because you've done that, now they understand something about Father's heart. You've led them to a pastor where they could feed. You get what I'm getting at? That it's not just this guy up here that wears funny t-shirts, that tells funny stories. He's not the only shepherd here. We're all shepherds. I have different responsibilities to you because I have a different calling to you, yes. But really, we're all called to shepherd each other. And guess what? I mean, sometimes you shepherd me. By example, you leave an impression on me. that something that you've done, something that you said. When Mike leads worship, he makes an impression on me. Shepherds me. When people give me an encouraging word, or even when somebody in my life gives me a word of correction, something that I need adjustment, and guess what? They've done me a great service. They've mended something in me. They have shepherded my heart because they cared enough to speak something into my life. They may not always be the most comfortable times, but they surely are the most powerful times to become more like Jesus. How does a pastor equip? I think all five gifts are on operation in shepherding. I really do. I think shepherds help apostolic people, sending you into the world and equipping you for that journey. See, because equipping is fueled by humility. To mend nets, to help heal dislocated joints, broken lives, you have to crouch, you have to bend knees, you've got to get on all kinds of levels to shepherd people. If, you, if, if we can humble ourselves, if we can show humility, if we can get on all kinds of levels in order to minister to one another, we are helping someone become more like Jesus because we are helping them become more whole and more free. And when, when someone is whole and someone is free, they can be sent and they will follow whatever Jesus asks them to do. It's just the truth. Free people will follow Jesus no matter what. Okay, I think shepherds prophesy. They speak life words into your life with this. With this wonderful word of God. I think they use that word to encourage and, and to lift you up. Helping you see who you are in Christ. 
they feed people encouragement. And encouragement is food for the human heart. And when you equip a, a human heart with encouragement, wow. Just think about the times that someone spoke encouragement into your life. What did it do for you? And it helped lift your head up so you could really see where you're going. You could really see God's truth. Okay, I think uh, shepherds help you discover your place in the grand story of redemption. Uh, this helps free the voice of the evangelist, turning you into a hunter-gatherer, a fisher of men. Um, I don't know if any of you have been around sheep, but sheep are messy. They're not really clean animals, per se. So if you can help someone, no matter how messy their life is, if you're willing to invade someone's life, no matter how messy that life is, you have to be humble in order to do that. That's the only way that's possible. But if you're able to do that, and many of you are, and many of you have, and many of you will continue to do so, but when you do that, you are doing the work of an evangelist. You are um, becoming a sheep among sheep. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be an evangelist. It's to identify with people, their struggles, their triumphs, and then help others do the same. Uh, shepherds help mend the broken nets of your life and strengthen your walk by caring for you and hanging with you when times are tough. In World War II, after bombing runs, you know, many, many planes got shut up and they were, you know, they were uh, so damaged it was hard for them to get back to base. So that most of the time they were able to stay in the air, but they were slower than the other planes. There was always one pilot that would hang back with that damaged plane in order to show them the way back to the base. And that pilot was called a shepherd. Wow, think about that. Thinking about the the influence that a shepherd has in people's lives. Willing to hang with someone when they're damaged and hurting in order to show them to the base, what, the base of the Father's heart. That's the base. That's what we want to get them to. We want to get them to the Father's heart. Can I tell you that it's a joy to be your pastor, to be a pastor, to be a shepherd here? It really is a joy. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. I work a full-time job. I work a part-time job. And that's really not enough financially sometimes. So it is is a... uh, a position of humility for me to do this. I wake up uh, Sunday mornings. I try to get here real early. This morning was hey, it was a great thing. You know, I, I learned. Uh, I remembered the old hymn this morning. You know, the, the old hymn. There's a hymn that's called the, "There Is a Fountain." Okay. I walk into my garage this morning trying to get here earlier, and my pipe my pipe was busted, and it was indeed a fountain. Okay. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because I'm just like you. I have pipes, uh, pipes that burst. I have, sometimes I have bills that are just late a little bit. Sometimes I have family members that are sick. Sometimes I'm sick. I'm just, I'm just like one of the sheep, man. I'm just like you. But I've been asked to do this in order to serve you in a different capacity. And believe me, I'm still learning how to do that. And I thank you for the grace 
Thank you for the, uh, the room that you've given me to grow into this position. Certainly, it is an honored position for me. It really is. I do take it seriously, even though I may not be a serious guy sometimes. So it seems like I'm not serious. I do take this very seriously. I do pray for you. I do care about you. I will admit that I don't know how to care for you all the time. I really don't. There are times I have no clue. Absolutely none. Thankfully, I have Mike who helps me with things. Thankfully, I have other men in my life that helps me with figuring things out. But I want to promise you that I will do this as, as best I can, as long as I can, as long as Father God wants me to. But I did not do this to receive a title or special treatment or think that I'm all that in a bag of chips because I do this. I do this because really Father God has asked me to do this. And I really am serving Him the best way I know how. So I tell you this a little bit of self-disclosure only to kind of cement maybe the fact that, that I am a sheep just like you who has a role of shepherding but I shepherd among sheep who are also shepherding other people's hearts. That we're, we're, we're a group of under-shepherds together, learning how to do that for each other and other people in the world. So, so someday, more and more people come through that door or whatever building we're in, and they come and they say, we want to meet this shepherd of yours, this good shepherd of yours, because we've heard, we've seen in your lives, we've heard stories about you. Now we want to meet this guy. That's what I want. That's why I do this. See, I want to care for your hearts. I want to help you if you need me for anything. I would certainly pray for you and whatever, uh, you know, giftings that God can use through me to help you. Yes, I want to do that. But really, I'm here to see other people walk through that door. That's why I'm here. That's what, that, that's what really gets me juice is to see other people come to Jesus. Okay. I want to learn how to shepherd new sheep. Father, thank you for these wonderful hearts that you have placed inside these wonderful vessels. They love you. You know that they love you. So I pray, ask one of your shepherds that you would bless these people with your life, with, with your blessings, with your teachings, with your heart. I pray that you would bless them relationally. You would bless them health-wise. You would bless their finances. You bless their your uh, their processions, that you would just bless them. Pray that they will go from here today with a greater understanding of how you shepherd us, that you are willing to go after us, that you are willing to come and, and catch us and bring us back into the fold, that you are willing to heal our diseases, that you are willing to correct things in our lives, you are ready to mend our lives, to mend our nets, and teach us how to do that better for other people, for each other, and for the community that you want us to reach. We ask this in Jesus' name.